everybody, it's Mary Shear, and welcome to another episode of Grow It Minnesota. It's officially spring now, so that means we want to talk about the fruit and vegetables and flowers we could grow in our gardens. Today's topic is blueberries, one of those really delicious fruits that's a little complicated to grow. But I think after today's episode, you'll be able to take it on. So let's get to the conversation. Okay, I'm back with Melissa Willsford of Rustic Hills Garden Co. Uh, She's a professional gardener and landscape designer, and we talked with her way back in 2020 about advice for new vegetable gardeners. But I wanted to bring her back on to talk about blueberries, because everybody wants to grow fruit and everybody loves blueberries, but they're one of the trickier ones to grow in our cold climate. So, Melissa, well, first, welcome back. Thanks Thank for coming you. on the podcast. Thanks. And then let's sort of tar- start with the the big problem with blueberries for northern gardeners, which is soil pH. Yes. So maybe you could explain a little bit about what pH is and why it matters and what why we have problems with our own pH here in, here sure. in our northern climates. Sure. Well, here in Minnesota, although it does vary from place to place, but generally we have higher pH in our soils, more less acidic, um, and clayey soil. Not not everywhere, but it's, it's kind of common around here in Minnesota. And blueberries, in order to be able to drop the nutrients that they need, they need acidic soil, and they actually don't really like clay either. <laughs> so we have a couple things going against us as far as um, just what are, we naturally have in our soil. Although there are, are places in Minnesota where there's a lot of wild blueberries growing up north, some people may have experienced that going out and picking blueberries. So, um, you know, your backyard soil may, may be more appropriate for blueberries, but it's certainly something that most people need to look at before they get started. Right. So, and so generally speaking, would you say the further north you are, the more likely you are to have acidic soil? Well, that's a really good question, and I don't really know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's really directly related to that or not. That's a good yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but if they're growing wild, then yes. they probably would be acidic enough. Yeah. Yeah. I've, exactly. I've never experienced that. The good thing is that you can you can test your soil. So um, that would be the place that I would start. Is I would you can even get a, a testing probe from a store or online. And you can easily just go in your backyard, put the probe in the soil and see where your pH lands. Um, or you can have a soil sam- sample. You can grab a sample and set it, send it into the U of M and they can also tell you and then you get an idea of the full profile of your soil as well. Right. And it's really important, I think, to send it from more than one part of your landscape because mm-hmm. I have like 7.2, 7.4. I have pretty, a wow. pretty alkaline soil in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually have five point five in part of the front yard. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> there was a big pine tree I, that yes. had been there. I don't that, know if that had that, anything to I'm do with sure it. Sure, it does. I'm sure it does, and especially if it's been there for a while, it can change the soil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So do a soil test. That's a good a good first yeah. bit of advice. So if you want to grow blueberries in the ground and your soil is, let's say, it's not. 7.8 or something, but it's still somewhat alkaline. Yes. What can, can you do something to change that soil? Yes. So there are a couple ways to do it. Um, if you're planning way in advance, you can use sulfur 
Um, you can buy it from the store. It's an amendment for the soil. It comes in a granular form, um, but that takes a while for that to actually change the pH of the soil. So um, you're looking at probably doing that the year before and then retesting the soil to see if it's come down to the range that you need, which we haven't mentioned yet, is between four and a half, four point five, and 5.5. And you could even go a little lower, but you certainly can't go any higher than 5.5 for blueberries. Um, oftentimes, people are ready to plant their blueberries, and the better option for them is to amend the planting area with peat moss. So I recommend, well, you know, and usually when you dig, a hole for a transplant, they say, take the hole, you know, one and a half times as wide as the pot, but go much bigger for the blueberries. Go, you know, a, a hole that's at least a couple feet wide, maybe three feet wide. And that's, that sounds pretty big, maybe two and a half feet diameter. And uh, you're pulling out all that soil and then mix it 50-50 with peat moss. So um, as you're putting it back in, you're doing water, peat moss, soil. If you think you have too much peat moss, you don't. Just keep adding as much peat moss as you can in there. And uh, peat moss is naturally acidic, and it's um, it's a, a kind of medium that blueberries really like to grow in. So it is definitely the go-to amendment for blueberries and other plants in the heather family, which include rhododendrons, azaleas. Um, lincolnberries, uh, wild blueberries, as well as kind of the more uh, cultivated types that we usually plant. So that's definitely the go-to. And not to get too off on a tangent, but I do think it's important to mention um, that a lot of your listeners may be aware that uh, peat mining is an environmental concern. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do get raised eyebrows quite a bit for that when I suggest using (laughs) peat moss for blueberries. And my response is always this, you know, it definitely is a concern, not only because it's not a very renewable resource, but because um, these peat bogs are great carbon sinks. And when we mine the peat, we are releasing all that carbon into the atmosphere. And we definitely have a carbon problem in the atmosphere. We're trying to draw the carbon down into the earth rather than release it from the earth. Um, however, the applications for that are largely used for peat that are damaging our environment because of the sheer quantity are larger scale landscape uses. So it's used it's used to amend large you know swaths of land, or it's used in um, soil blends that people order yards and yards and yards of. Um, even if you're you know, if you're very cognizant of this and sensitive, you know, like mindful of it, then even filling your raised beds for a new vegetable garden with the standard blend that you would get from a landscape supplier probably is a good portion of peat moss. So you have to dig a little harder to find one that is free as peat moss um, and maybe use as compost instead um, in their blend. But when it comes to planting a few blueberry bushes, it's still the go-to for like the the best thing that's going to help them thrive there's not a great substitute for it whereas if you were doing raised garden beds you instead of having peat moss in the blend you could have like i said compost or coconut coir or things like that um and i always say you know it's it's such a it's really the blueberries that are being planted in the world are not like the main source of the problem so um and then if you think about the other benefits of growing your own fruit in the backyard, the environmental impact of not shipping your blueberries on a little plastic clamshell from 
thousands of miles away, possibly, this is a win. So um, I don't, I don't really have a, a crisis of my conscience for using peat for blueberries, but if it's something people are concerned about, they can go the other route to preparing the soil with the sulfur, like the mm-hmm. year before. The year before, right. Yeah. And then what about, um, you know, do you have to keep amending the soil? Just- yeah, good question. So, you know, our standard um, at Rustic Hills is we do use the peat moss at the time of planting, and then we advise our clients to check the soil uh, each fall. Mm-hmm. And if the pH has risen, has gotten a little too high, then at that point, add the sulfur um, and, you know, pull the mulch away, spring, follow the package instructions and apply the amount that it says, um, or generally that's about a cup per plant. So sprinkle mm-hmm. that around, water it in, cover it back up with the mulch. And then that gives it the whole winter, you know, late fall, winter and early spring to kind of soak in and uh, start to change the soil. But it is something you need to keep on top of because even that, it takes a while to make a change in the soil. So you can't just let, if, if you let it go and suddenly you're behind, then it's going to take you a couple of years to catch up. Right. And then the other thing is, and I'm seeing a lot more of trends of these blueberries that grow in containers. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what kind of crop you could get off of those, but how, have do you have people that grow blueberries in containers? You know, container growing is a great option for blueberries, actually. Um, a lot of blueberries have been bred by the University of Minnesota, actually, that are really appropriate for our climate. And they are all in this category called the half high blueberry bushes. So they are not low bush blueberries, which are more like the wild ones that grow as almost like a carpet. And they, they form a mat and spread and spread and spread. And then there's the high bush blueberries, which are really big. Mm-hmm. And then there's these half high that are um, somewhere between, you know, two and four feet tall and somewhere between, you know, you know, two and four feet wide. And some are actually even more petite than that. So they are appropriate size for containers. And then the good thing about using the container is that you have complete control over the soil situation. You can even buy uh, bags of potting mix that are specifically designed for acid-loving plants. So you can kind of just save, like skip all the guesswork, get the potting soil, put it in your pot, um, and go ahead and plant right into that. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I want to ask a few bit about, more questions about sort of the, the technicalities of doing that or the practicalities of it. But first, sort of generally, sun, water, you know, the basics of growing a blueberry, what do, what do they need? Yeah, so like many crops, they will thrive in full sun. They can handle less than that. But if you want to get the best harvest and, you know, the most vigor out of your plant, full sun. And full sun is considered eight hours or more. Um, they can go fewer than that. You know, they can go maybe down to six and it would still be worth it. You're just going to get fewer berries, smaller berries. Um, and, you know, people say, well, what if I only have this really shady spot? I mean, if it's all that you can work with and you really want to just try a few blueberries, then sure, you can go even a little less than that. But much further down. It's, it's not, I don't know that you would even get <laughs> more yeah. than a few to make it worth it. Yeah. 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 So they do I, need some sun. Yeah. Like, like, frankly, most fruits and vegetables. I mean, yes. other than a green greens, you know, sure. maybe some beets or something, you've got to have sun to yes. grow stuff like that. And that's yeah. the other benefit of the container is you can kind of move it around as you need to. Um, or you can maybe grow in a sunny spot that 
you know, so you're only, maybe your porch is your only sunny spot or your deck. And so then that gives you a chance to make use of that space. Yeah. And watering, how, do they need a lot of water or? You know, just kind of typical, like they do um, have a shallow root system so they can dry out a little easier, um, especially when they're still getting established in the first year or two, you know, make sure that they don't dry out. Applying a mulch will really help. Um, pine bark mulch or pine straw or actually oak leaves. These are all good options for blueberries because they are acidic mulches that will do a little extra to help. Um, but yeah, otherwise, kind of like most other things in the landscape, vegetables included, one inch of water per week mm-hmm. is good. And it's better to do uh, deep waterings less frequently than a little bit, say, every day. So your basic vegetable garden care would go into that. And then in terms of the containers, Mm -hmm. what do you do in the winter? Yeah. Because that's, that's I mean, I grow a lot in containers and that's always tricky. Yes. Yes. This is a step you do not want to miss or you'll be sorely disappointed come spring when your beautiful blueberry bush doesn't come back. So it does need to be moved to a protected space in the winter. And that's because the blueberry is not being, you know, it doesn't have the protection of the below the soil. So the roots aren't below the frost line and they don't have the, the protection of that soil and mulch and everything to protect it from, from dying. So out in the pot, just expose the elements is not going to work. So you can either wrap it or do hay bales or something like that if you need to keep it outside or you can just bring it into the garage. Mm-hmm. And will yeah. it be okay in an unheated garage over winter? Yeah. It can get quite cold. It just, especially in Minnesota, shouldn't be getting down to, you know, 30 below. <laughs> so typically yeah. people's garages are are much warmer than that, and that should be fine. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this is entirely scientific, but I have heard that if you're going to leave a container plant outside in the winter, it should be two zones hardier mm-hmm. than where you are. So if you're leaving yeah. a container out in a zone four garden, it needs to be zone two. Yes, that's a good, it sounds like a good rule, rule of thumb to me. It makes sense. Yeah. 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 In other words, put it in the garage. Yes. Yeah, there's not a lot of zone, there's a few zone two plants, but not a ton yes. of them. Okay. So we you mentioned briefly the the types of blueberry, the half high and the the tall what you know the height differences are there any other differences between those three different types of blueberries um mainly it's the the difference with the wild blueberries or the low bush they're smaller and they have more intense flavor um but that's actually one of the things that we are bringing in this year and adding more to our landscapes and selling at our plant sale this year um because it can make really beautiful ground cover so why not if you need a little ground cover make it blueberries, right? Yeah. And it's uh, like other blueberries, it has that beautiful red fall color. So um, blueberries are a really beautiful landscape plant. And it's, they're actually pretty much my favorite edible landscape plant because they are so beautiful and including the low bush blueberries. But yes, you're asking about the differences, really just the size and the flavor is a little different. But besides mm-hmm. that, that's about it. Yeah. And I'll link in the show notes to some information from the University of Minnesota about blueberries, which is which mm-hmm. is pretty helpful. Yes. And you mentioned the uh, varieties that the U of M has um, created or has has bred. Do you have some uh, blueberry varieties you particularly recommend or you think do really well in our climate? Yeah, those are also on their website. But a couple that the U of M have developed are North Country and North Blue. And those are both that half high variety and, and kind of a petite, 
uh, compact form that are really nice for landscapes. Mm-hmm. So those would be your two favorites. Those are two. I mean, I have lots of favorites, but <laughs> those are two good ones to throw out there if you're looking for uh, yeah. for a place to start. Okay, so I have a friend who grows blueberries in a container that she sinks in the ground, and um, she has a real problem actually getting berries because the critters are so intense Uh, and has experimented with all sorts of coverings and whatnot. So what do you recommend people do to make sure they get some blueberries? Yes, exactly. Well, I am going to actually start with what I think the biggest problem for people is, and that's in the fall and the winter is when the deer and rabbits are looking for something to eat. So, you know, if the number one reason that people's blueberry experiments fail is the soil, number two is lack of protection. So sure, the birds and the critters may eat the berries in the summer, but you won't even get that far if the rabbits and the deer chew it down to the nubs in the winter. Yeah. So most of the time, blueberries can go without any sort of fence in the summer when there's other things to eat. But by the time you get into fall, you need to get some chicken wire around your blueberry shrubs. Um, There's also a product that I really like. I'm not affiliated with them, but it's called Plant Saver. You can find them online and they sell a powder mixture that includes natural ingredients. You put it in a little cotton bag and you can hang it right on the blueberry bush. And so if you have more aggressive rabbits or, you know, or you want to try not using the fence in the winter, you can put that right on the bush. Right. And that usually does a pretty good job. I've had success with that in my edible landscapes. Just um, you need to be aware that if you have a dog, they might want to eat it. And then that cotton bag would be a danger to them to ingest because it can get lodged in their stomachs. But I just love that product so much that I had to mention it. But otherwise, chicken wire. And then, um, yeah, the... The problem in the in the summer. So she, I'm surprised. So she's tried all, all sorts of coverings. Has she tried? Um, so she's tried bird netting and what's yep. getting in there? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, she probably she lives right in the city, so that means she has incredibly smart squirrels. and aggressive squirrels. Yes, um, yeah. who are you know they're the worst. Um, uh, well, actually, I bunnies, squirrels. I, I don't know. Fifty well, fifty. Squirrels can climb over everything, so that's the problem. Right. And she did eventually buy one of those cloches, which is like a, uh, it's like a chicken wire covering a little hat to put on top of it. And I think that has worked. Good. Um, But it's, but it's been a challenge. Yeah. So, you know, if it's birds, you can use bird netting, just the nylon netting, which if you're using this in the landscape, it won't even really be visible. It's just a black, very fine nylon mesh that you can't even see from a few feet away, really certainly not from the street. Um, And then another option, which can also be helpful if you're having a problem with Japanese beetles, which will eat the leaves and the fruit, um, is around the time of fruiting, this is what I do at my house, I put out floating row cover. So floating Mm -hmm. row cover is just this permeable white sheet, and it comes in different grades, so thicker or thinner depending on the purposes, because this can also be used as a frost blanket. But I go ahead and get the thinnest kind I can because I want the sunlight to come through still. I want the rain to come through. And I cover the blueberries in that. So that keeps the birds off. It keeps the bugs off. And um, and also, I mean, I don't have a big problem with squirrels, but I'm also wondering if it would help keep them out of sight, out of mind. So if you kind of keep it, keep it as covered as possible, they might still tear into it. But, 
you know, I just advise people to try ballooning it all the way mm-hmm. around the shrub, kind of securing it down around the base um, and hoping that everything can ripen in there and then you can open it up and get out your berries. <laughs> right. And I did not know the Japanese beetles went after blueberries too. <laughs> I know, any... <laughs> right? A bit. I mean, I've never, I've seen them eating my blueberries and so I didn't wait around too long to see if they would completely decimate my crop or not. I just started covering it. And I also didn't want the birds because the birds would come and eat them as well. Right. And then generally, um, what is the harvest period? So would you have that row cover on for a long time? Or, you know, I mean, Japanese beetle seasons right. like six weeks, maybe. Right. Usually it's a few weeks mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Um, it is, it is, it depends too on the varieties that you have. So some bear earlier in the season, some bear later. And if you had have a mixture, then you might end up having some sort of cover out for a good period of time. But, um, but yeah, for one, you know, one variety or one, one type early, mid or late, probably three weeks. Right. Yeah. And do blueberries need a companion plant for pollination? Right. So some are bred to be self-compatible and they can produce fruit on their own without another variety to provide cross-pollination. However, all varieties will do better with more than one type. Mm-hmm. So the fruit will be bigger and you'll have more of it. So try to get two types. So, you know, the North Country and the North Blue or, you know, two different Polaris and Chippewa and check the tags to see that they, they produce fruit around the same time. Right. So uh, that they're blooming at the same time so that the pollinators will actually cross the pollen. Um, and then, yes, you'll just get better yields. And who doesn't want at least two blueberry bushes anyway? So, Right. I think that's <laughs> something you probably want three or four of if you right. Right. Get, really get into it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So just one other question. If somebody doesn't want to bother with blueberries, what other fruit alternatives do you recommend or do you think are good are easier to grow in the North? Yes. Well, it all depends on taste, right? What people's palates are going to be interested in. But I'm going to go ahead and answer that question with one of my other very favorite edible landscaping plants, and that is the humble currant. And while not as beautiful as the blueberry bush, and while not as sweet, um, Red currants, black currants, they are amazing because I think that they are delicious mm-hmm. and um, they are worry-free. I mean, there's some disease that can, can bother currants, but for the most part, pests and disease are not an issue. Deer don't like them. You know, squirrels, I, I don't know that they're, I mean, the birds will come and eat the currants eventually, but I have currants in my landscape and I live out where we have plenty of deer and rabbit um, and birds. and I get to keep the entire harvest myself. No extra protection needed in the winter. They can do they can fruit in part sun, so they don't need quite as much sun to still do well. And they're extremely productive, especially black currants. So black currants are a staple in Western Europe. And you can on the grocery shelves there you'll see black currant jam. And if you've ever mm-hmm. had black currant jam, you know it's one of the most complex just delicious preserves. I think that's out there eaten fresh off the shrub. It has a very, it's high in tannins. So mm-hmm. it's the same flavor that gives wine that, that kind of dry, bitter, astringent taste. 
Um, so it's what gives us a complex flavor when you turn it into preserves, but you might not love it straight off the bush. However, cooked into a, throw it into like a skillet, which I know sounds strange, but a lot of traditional cooking actually included say, well, blueberries, which we've been talking about, um, and other fruits would be thrown into things like meat dishes and, um, other pilafs and things like that. And thrown in there, they actually get this lemony, tangy taste and that astringency, astringency kind of melts away. So I really love currants and they're super easy to work with too. No, no coring or peeling or seeding or anything like that. So if you just want a good amount of fruit and you want to just be successful and you have a, an adventurous palate and you like different kinds of foods and trying them in different ways, grow a black currant. Yes, actually, I have a recipe on my blog, and I'm going to link to it uh, from the show notes for black currant jam, which I did make once. And the guy that we got the currants from described it as adults only. Yes. (laughs) And I gotta tell you, it's delicious. It is delicious. That's a great tip. And, And again, it's an easy thing that will just thrive here. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for talking about blueberries today. And um, what, when is your sale? I know you have a special sale. We'll just yeah. So we're out. having our annual plant sale on Saturday, May fourteenth, in South Minneapolis. And what's special is that we sell tons of edible landscaping plants. So those are actually up for pre-order on our website at rustichillsgardenco.com. And um, you want to go ahead and put your order in now because we do have a limited supply. So that will just allow you to kind of come and pick up your order and then browse the other stuff that we'll have there too, like heirloom vegetables for the garden and things like that. So yeah, it should be a good time. It's (laughs) exciting. I can hardly wait for spring to come and people to be growing fruit. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. Well, that was some great information on growing blueberries and maybe trying currants as another option this year. Be sure to check out the show notes. I'll have a bunch of links to some of the things we've talked about and more information on growing fruit. If you're enjoying season two of Grow It Minnesota, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That really helps me reach more northern gardeners. So thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks.